Welcome to Music Industry Secrets Spilled with me, your host, Lucy May Walker. For this episode, I am joined by Maz Tapuni, who is the head of live promotion at Communion. We talk about the ethos of Communion being really about the music rather than the numbers. Very refreshing to hear. Uh, how to get booked to play a communion show, the benefits of having a promoter. Basically, this whole episode is based on the live side of things, which is something I'm super passionate about, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are as well. He gives loads of tips for artists on this episode, so get out your notepad and get ready to be inspired. So here it is Music Industry Secrets Spilled with Mazin Tapuni. <laughs> So, Communion was founded back in 2016 by Ben Lovett from Mumford & Sons, Kev Jones, Bears Den, and producer Ian Grimble at Notting Hill Arts Club. From there, it has grown quite rapidly into a record label, publisher, and live promoter. They have worked with artists such as Sam Fender, Lucy Rose, Catfish and the Bottlemen, Ben Howard, Francis, the list goes on. Today, I'm going to be speaking with a wonderful Mazin Tapuni, who is the head of live promotion at Communion Presents. So, Maz, welcome to Music Industry Secrets Filled. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for having me. It feels, uh, it's a privilege, really. I've wanted to speak to you for so long, um... We have mutual friends and my manager knows you and I've been like, when can I get to speak to Maz? I love, um, I love your manager. He's, he's a lovely man. Thanks. Um, so I first came across Communion because I'm a massive Lucy Rose fan. And then since then, I've been like looking at all your shows and I feel like you only book like the coolest artists. Um, so to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about Communion and give us a, a brief description of what your role is? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as you said, the night started in 2006 down at the Notting Hill Arts Club. Um, Kev and Ben, who were two of the co-founders, were in a band at the time, really terrible pop band, actually. And they couldn't get, they couldn't get any gigs anywhere. And the gigs that they had to get were like, you have to bring 30 mates and then you get paid like a pound for every extra person that you bring. And they were yeah. like, that is just not how things should be working. So set up... Um, a night and we called it communion because it was a Sunday which was the only day of the week that we could get and that suddenly became like a platform for artists to come and perform um, and a safe space for for people to come and listen to music and because it was a Sunday it, it, it brought a certain type of audience you know it wasn't people that were just trying to go out and get hammered people wanted to go and watch new music um, yeah. and that night um, just grew and grew and we had people like you know Mumford and Sons and the vaccines and Paloma Faith and Wolf Alice and like all of these new Michael Kiwanuka all of these new acts do those shows um, and then in 2010 um, we set up Communion Records had no idea what we were doing and just decided to try and put out a compilation record um, and Kev and Ben had both been had split up um, from that terrible pop band they were in thank the lord um, <laughs> and uh, Ben went into Mumford and & Sons and Kev went into uh, Bear's Den so they were both sort of touring around the world and my sort of role developed into the live guy so all the records that we were putting out from people like Ben Howard and Michael Kiwanuka and Daughter they were like look can you put on our first show 
um which i was like yeah sure i have no idea like i don't even know what a rider is like what is a rider really yeah, i had no idea yeah yeah did really had no idea what what to do and had no idea what a versus deal was and i just thought you give them a bit of cash like 50 quid and they play the show so sort of learn um learn on the job and then um a couple of yeah kept on growing and we um, now put on around 250 shows we work with everyone from lewis capaldi to bastille to Maggie Rogers, Leon Bridges, um, Sam Fender, Dan McKennedy. We do shows all over the UK. Um, but we are very particular in terms of the sort of artists that we work with. Like we only like we only work with stuff that we really, really love. Um, we're a small independent team, so we don't we don't just take on anything. Um, yeah. We basically just work with stuff that we really, really love. And then a few years ago we also launched Communion Publishing. So there's three parts of the business. There's the records. Um, side of the business presents which is the live part of the business which is the bit that I run and then community publishing so we sort of ideally work with artists across all three parts of the business but there are some artists that we just work with on records some that we just work on publishing and then some that we just promote I I saw an interview I can't remember who this was I think it was potentially Ben that said this he was saying that like you said they you only work with like certain artists that you really believe in and not like manufactured artists and I think that you can tell just looking on your website and seeing the artists that you work with you're like yeah I I really really um I like that you don't just go for for anyone I don't think it was like it was a moment where we just decided that it was more Mm. when when we were getting pitched to work on stuff um I just thought if I don't really like this artist I'm not really going to work that hard on it yeah and I was like you know, we've got a show coming up next week and it's sold 50 tickets. We've got to sell another 150 tickets. And I was like, I don't really like, the, you know, in my head, I was like, if I don't like this, I'm not going to go to the show. Like, what's the point of doing it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Like, we should only be working with stuff we really, really love because mm-hmm. we're going to work super hard. Um, and also it just, um, it's just that like I would like to be in the office listening to stuff that I love all day rather than have to listen to music that I'm not really that into. That stuff yeah, that I think that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously I've, oh, we've had absolute nightmare a couple of years and that has been very, very tough on the live industry. So I completely feel for you guys. Um, but hopefully we're coming out the end, other end of that. Um, I know recently you had a, a stage at All Points East Festival. Ben Howard played just last night um, and you've got loads of stuff coming up. How do you see the industry looking post-pandemic? So, yeah, things are definitely on the up, which is really exciting. Um, and we're all out of shows. I saw you were playing shows. Like, it's amazing being out there again and doing what we love doing. Um, there is, a there is like, a sort of small black cloud, you know, hanging over us, which is, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is there is a, this, this COVID concern, people getting ill on within touring parties and having to cancel shows and... It's just about being responsible, you know, like last night I would have gone back and hang out with the artist and their team and I just didn't do that because mm-hmm. if someone, and I, you know, I'm doing like lateral flows every time we were going to these shows because I'm just um, like, I've, I've, I've been double jabbed, but you just don't, you just don't know. Like the last thing I want is to, to go into an artist's dressing room and bring people back and then the promoter in 10 days has to cancel their show because someone's got COVID from our show. Yeah. Um, but everything's sort of leveling out um fans love being back in the rooms we've noticed that 
there isn't much drop off on um, on shows that are going up on sale now. Shows that have been rescheduled, we've noticed quite a lot of drop off because people have just not seen the new ticket come in or have just forgotten about like going to the show. But generally, like people are comfortable at shows. No one's really wearing masks. I think people are just really excited about being back in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think the future is looking really positive. Um, we just need to be like cautious and people just need to be responsible when they're at shows. Yeah. The only thing I've struggled with is the end. Like I always, um, you know, stand by the merch stand and say hi to everyone. I find it really difficult. Like I don't know how to greet people and they go in for a picture and it's like, they're like hugging you and you think, Oh, I don't know how to say like, get off me. Um, so that's something I think I need to work up. Yeah. It's difficult. Like- it's so hard it's so hard like I we had um we had Freya Ridings play at Lafayette the other night and um I've obviously not seen her for like two years and went in and got her like a big big bunch of flowers I just lift I was just gonna leave outside the dressing room because I just didn't know like I didn't want to go in there and then the manager opened the door and she just came out gave a massive hug and I was like (laughs) I was like, oh, this is great, but should I be hugging you? So yeah. I don't, you're not the only one that's like sort of figuring that out. Like, yeah. remember when we got into this and people were like, oh, should I shake your hand? Or should I fist bump? Or should I do that? It's like, now we're getting out of that. Should I hug you? Or should I shake your hands? You know, so it's going to, it's going to take a bit of time. But um, yeah. I think um, all of that is like case by case. I think some people will probably not want to hug for a while and some people will want to kiss your face, you know? Yeah. I really don't like people doing that, but um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so this podcast is all about like sharing tips and tricks and stuff for for people like me <laughs> who want to book shows. Um, so I personally have booked a few shows with like a few promoters, but I've never been on like the main roster or, or an agent. Um, so that's like my step that I'm working towards. So as a promoter, what do you look for in artists specifically for communion and how does it normally work with booking them to play like their first show with you? Yeah. So ultimately it's just really the song that I'm looking at. Like if, if, if an artist has good songs, that is the most important thing really. Um, I will always listen to the music first before, doing anything else like if an artist is like oh I'm working with this person this person I've got like 50,000 Instagram followers cool but let's have a listen to the music first Um, and generally what we'll do is um, if there is an artist online and we really like the music um, and the artist doesn't have any representation no manager or no agent or maybe just a manager we'll always reach out and we'll try and have a conversation with them and that will generally be like, we really like your music. Um, what are you up to at the moment? Uh, are you working with a manager or an agent? And if they are, then we'll co- continue the lines of conversation with them. And if they're not, um, we'll ask them if they're speaking to anyone and if they want any introductions. Um, because there's a lot, there are a lot of like great people out there um, that are looking to sign artists. Um, so we will always try and make the right introductions. But in terms of booking artists, like, you know, we have our communion club night, which is um, at the social now, which started at Nightingale Arts Club. And that is a really great place for people to do their first shows because mm-hmm. um, it's a soft ticket. There's, an, there's a ready-made audience that's going to come to that room. So we can say to that artist, come and play your first show at the communion club night, even if you don't have a manager or you don't have an agent, um, because we know that you'll really enjoy the show. You'll get taken care of. We'll pay you. That That's the vibe. Um, and 
generally what happens it's it's quite rare for us to reach out to an artist that doesn't have any representation because managers and agents are on artists sometimes earlier than promoters so Mm -hmm. what will happen is your manager or your agent would come to me and say I'm representing this artist um, have a listen to the music would you like to book her and that would generally be the process cool um I read, I hope this is right, that back in the day, uh, you were sent an email with a Ben Howard track. And from that email, you literally booked him for like three shows. And now, I mean, he played the Royal Festival Hall last night. He's massive. So I know that was a really long time ago. And obviously, more people are definitely reaching out to you than maybe back then. But can it still be as easy as an artist just emailing you? And do you have to see them live? Or do you just like, take a, a risk on them so that, that definitely still happens you know like catfish for example we got yeah. sent, we got catfish in the bottom and we got sent music and um listened to it and was like this is really good um kev at the time who's our head of a was like this is great and we got an email from another manager they had no representation and another manager friend she was like i've just been sent this you know this band we we're like we just got sent it as well and then we booked them they played Nottingham hill arts club and within 30 seconds, me and Kev watched the show and we were like, we have to sign this band. Um, and then that happened. Other things like, you know, that Gautier single, somebody that I used to know. Yeah. Um, we got sent that video from the manager um, and he just sent me the video and I listened to it. And I remember listening to it in my room um, and I just knew that there was something amazing about that song. Um, and we didn't have to go and watch that live show to know that that was going to be a big hit. That's um, such a tune. So it really varies, but generally, like, when people send me music, I will try and listen to all of it. Um, mm-hmm. I will try and listen to everything because historically we've been sent some absolute gold. And if you yeah. don't listen to everything that you can send, then you're going to miss out on stuff. Um, but the process there is if somebody sends us um, some music and we really like, if we really like it, we will try or I will try and go to a show to watch the live performance first before we book it for our club night. Yeah. If it's really, really strong and there's some great video content online of them performing, um, then I would potentially book it before we go and see a live show. Um, and we've got, you know, lots of different opportunities to book those artists, whether that is via the club night or whether that's via some of the support shows that we have, um, some of the support shows at the venues that we book, um, so there's lots of different opportunities to try and book those acts on so that we can go and see the show and then if we really really like it we'd book them another show and community records and community publishing would come down we'd be like let's let's have a look at this and see if we can get them in the studio and try and try and help them sort of develop um, and um, put them in the studio with different people and co-writes and stuff like that so see and see where that goes basically I love that the whole kind of ethos is it's the music first because I feel like a lot of artists will be kind of put off because there's some I don't know companies record labels whatever um that go yeah okay how many Instagram followers you got how many followers you got on Spotify and it's like how do you get to that point before they'll listen to you so it's really like refreshing to hear that you're the other way around and it's all about the music first I love that yeah well the, the company is like set up by musicians so Ben and Kev set up the company and it's always got it's an artist focused company and um that is like who we're serving the artist comes first um so if the company was set up by musicians the 
it would be weird for us not to be putting the music first and the musicians <laughs> yeah. first. Um, and that's just how that's just how we work. Like everyone in the company is either a musician or a failed musician. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's just that's just sort of that's just sort of how we work over here. Yeah. Um, so one thing I want to talk about is support acts. So I'm so desperate to get on like a full tour, you know, support thing. I've, I've like supported people on, on a one-off show. Um, the biggest thing I did was I supported wet, wet, wet on tour, but it was like, again, just five shows out of however many. Um, so I also, as a music lover, love going to shows and watching the support acts because that's where I like discover new music. Um, how does it work? Let's say a one-off show versus a full UK tour. Who chooses the support act? Is it the artist, manager, label, promoter, mixture of all three? Like, what is it? How do I get on? <laughs> so the artist will always sort of be at the top. So yeah. if we're doing a Ben Howard tour, which we were doing the shows yesterday, um, and he says, I really want Westerman to support, mm-hmm. then we book Westerman. If it's Westerman even, even if they're not on your books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always mm-hmm. down to the artists. So not everyone that's playing on communion shows are communion artists on those support slots. Um, yeah. uh, it's always down to the artists. Um, so you will generally see, like, lots of people who... Um, who go out on tour will take like their friends bands with them because they're really really good mates um Mm -hmm. and then if the artist doesn't have any suggestions which sometimes they don't they'll be like is there anyone that's going to be able to help some sell some tickets the manager might then ask us the promoter or the agent be like have you got any recommendations who's best in the local market like who's worth tickets um who should we take out and then i would then send maybe like three or four different acts through to them and be like, how about this, this, this or this? Um, and that will generally be stuff that we're working with because we obviously want to get those artists in front of the other person's fans. Um, and then it will go through to the agent and the manager and the manager will have sort of final sign-off once they've approved it with the artist. The label will also be involved because they'll want to try and get their artists on there as well. Um, yeah. But ultimately, it's like, it's the artist's choice. You know, the artist is is at the top of the pyramid here. So if they're super passionate, and they should be, you know, they're the ones yeah. that are making the art. If they are super passionate and um, about a specific artist, they're like, this artist is coming out with me on tour. Yeah. There's no, there's like, this is this is what's going to happen. Then um, that's what happens. So what my, my suggestion to young musicians and artists that are always starting out is like, go and see some of those acts that you really really love and some of those acts that you're like that you sort of associate yourself with and become friends with them like go to their shows even just become friends with the supports that are on those bills because one day the support might be bigger than the headline artists that you really really love yeah and sort of try and build community and um just try and like be as present as possible because um, it's really easy for an artist on a tour just to make that decision themselves and be like, oh, I really like this person, I want to take them out. And they could just take you out for the full tour and you would really massively benefit from that. Um, so that that's like my, my sort of 
piece of advice because it is very, very hard just to cold email someone if you don't know them and their manager and their agent be like, I really love you. I want to go out on tour with you. It's unlikely they're going to take you out if they don't know you unless you're selling a lot of tickets um, and you're going to add value on the tour by bringing in an extra 40 or 50 people per show. Yeah. I'm shocked that people don't do it. Like I do, I mean, I wouldn't say cold email, but like maybe I've gone to see someone's show and then I've like tagged them in a story and then maybe emailed them afterwards and said, you know, but even me as an artist, like I do my own headline shows and I know so many musicians that I've gigged with before and I'm shocked that people don't just ask me as well. Like I'm there going, right, who can I have on, on tour? And for me, if someone asked me, oh, please, can I support you? Like I'd really love to, to play. I'd be more inclined to consider them. Do you know what I mean? But people, people don't ask, I don't think. And I'm just a tiny, well, I'm not, I'm not tiny, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm a small artist. So I'm an ideal person for people to to ask but i guess people just i people, don't know people just don't you know people just don't know as well you know they don't know how it works so um it's just about getting out there and asking and being like part of a i think being part of the family like be part of the community part of the culture like go out and and meet new people in that scene and people that you want to associate yourself with and um Another really good like thing to do I've up through the community club night is like is putting on your own night and building like a building something of your own um, mm-hmm. because if you do that and you can book nights and talent can come through that then you're you're basically building new relationships with with new artists and uh, you know let's say you book I don't know you're doing a, a monthly show for in your local venue and you're booking like three or four artists a month throughout the year like at least two of those are going to go on and do, you know, good things. They're going to go and sell some tickets and you might be the first one that gave them their big break. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll repay the favor one day. Um, Very good advice. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Are there any, this is just generally things that you don't recommend doing like as you don't have to name any names but has anyone like ever done something and you just think oh my god I'm never working with that person like tell me a don't do it's pretty obvious but don't be (laughs) don't don't be a dick (laughs) pretty obvious I mean we don't luckily like I would say everyone on our roster is so amazing and super sweet but I have like I have been in in a couple of positions where there have been bands on bills and they've just been like really hard to work with and you're just like Mm. you're just like why are you being so difficult like you know you're the support you're the support band no one knows you you know stop being so demanding and so rude to everyone because when somebody wants to do you a favour they're not going to Um, the other thing I would say not to do is like don't lie don't lie about stuff that you haven't done like to try and make yourself look bigger than you actually are like, like what what do people do <laughs> well people people will say oh we've sold out this show or we've you know we've got this many streams and like just try to like amplify numbers or right. you know like we've done this and this and this and it's like it's pretty easy to see whether they actually have you know mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty obvious to know when people are lying or not. And that doesn't go down very well. Um, the other thing is like, 
if you constantly harass people, um, people are going to get annoyed. Like, if you send an email and somebody doesn't respond, like, I think it's fine to follow up once or twice. But if you keep emailing people um, with a really, really long email that's in, like, different colours and formats and fonts and, like, 10 different streaming links, then that is just, that's not going to go down well. The other thing is, like, when you are emailing people, make sure it's, like, super concise and all the information's there. And the amount of times that people have sent me music and the links don't work... It's like, come on, guys, you know, you're, you're trying to get people to hear your music. The minute you send that email and they click on that link and the link doesn't work, they're going to move on. Yeah. So just make sure it's a short email, a little bit about you. Like they don't need to know like who your family are and what your cat's called. Um, yeah. It's like, this is my music. This is what I'm doing. Here you go. Have a great day. Surely something personable in there like... I really love what you do or rather than just like, hi, book me. I'm amazing. No, I I also think if there is a, um, like if you have something in common with that person or, you know, you have like a person, like someone that, you know, um, like a person common. So let's say, for example, you emailed me and you were like, Hey, I know you're really good friends with Ben, my manager, blah, blah, blah. Then, um, there's like a reference point there. Whereas, and you and I might have not known each other, but because I know Ben, it's like, cool, like Ben's great, Lucy's going to be great. So even if you know someone that might sort of know the person that you're trying to get in touch with, um, maybe get an intro if you can. Intro's always great. Uh, And if you can't, then just mention somebody's name that you might know, that they might know, um, just for a point of reference. Um, But generally, like people will see the email if they want to get back to you they'll get they'll get back to you chase them once or twice but once you'll start getting into like five or six times <laughs> i'm glad you said you're okay with a follow-up because i i i am a follow-up email but it's more like after like two weeks i'm like i'm just gonna do that again because i know sometimes i miss emails and people like follow up with me and i'm like oh my god i literally would never have responded to you if you didn't re- re- like yeah re-email so okay phew uh, <laughs> um okay venue wise i know that communion does live programming for lafayette i went there um i saw sigrid play there um the other week amazing venue and i love sigrid um and also amira which i am playing i don't know when this is going to go out but 17th of october great playing i'm supporting um the dunwells there yes yeah and yeah. uh i love both venues um what's my question <laughs> oh if pe- if anyone wants to um play those particular venues um do do they have to go through you as communion to do that or are there other ways in um and do promoters generally only book for certain venues or like how does it kind of work so any promoter can use that venue and all promoters do everyone from SJM to Live Nation, AG, you know, every single promoter will use those venues. Um, and every promoter here um, sort of isn't tied to specific venues. So Live Nation um, have a lot of venues, all the Brixton Academies, all the AMG venues, so like all the academy venues around the country that you'll see are owned by Live Nation. Um, so they will generally prefer to put their shows in AMG venues but 
no disrespect to AMG venues, some of them are just like black box rooms. Um, mm-hmm. So they aren't aesthetically the nicest rooms to play. Um, so sometimes I want to try, if an artist is like, actually, I want to do like a theatre or something that's a little bit more beautiful than just your sort of standard 500 cap black box, yeah. then, um, then that promoter will go into a different room. But generally here, every promoter can, can come into our space, can book the room. Um, so they're not all communion shows. Um, okay. But if you are looking to try and get on some support shows, it's always worth getting in touch and seeing if there are any bills that need supports. But generally, as I said, like the the artist will, let's say the Dunwells are playing Omira, they will have their own thoughts on who they want them to support on that night. You in this in this scenario, which is great. That's going to be an awesome show. Um, but sometimes there are bills that need to be filled that haven't been filled. And then what we would do is we would get a suggestion through and we would forward it through to the promoter and be like, this artist has requested uh, to support this show. Let us know if there's like an opening. Um, oh, cool. And they would maybe then send that through to the artist's team. But again, if there's no if there's no connection there and they don't know the artist and they don't know the music, it, it's going to be hard to get onto that bill. Yeah, not not impossible, but... Not impossible, More no. difficult. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk briefly about artist fees. Um, I know a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, this is the stuff that people don't normally talk about for some strange reason. Because um, I know a lot of artists are so desperate for opportunities in music, myself included, that they can often play for like a really small fee to nothing at all, to even paying to play. I really hope that doesn't exist anymore, but I know it still does. Um, and I've done all of these things. And even this year, I've played two festivals that haven't paid me. They have not even offered me like a free meal. Um, and I feel like I'm above that point, but I'm still, I still happen to, to find myself doing it. Um, so yeah, I guess like you can play for the exposure and hope that you're going to play a festival and there's like loads of people there but quite often you get there and you're like okay I'm not getting paid I'm paying a session musician I'm playing to no one so I'm not really benefiting so how important is it that artists get paid with communion um and do you have any advice for artists that just want to stay afloat yeah no I think it's uh, regardless of being paid by a community, the artists just need to be paid full stop. Like yeah. that's and I, I like all of the all net, like established promoters will be paying their artists. It'll be the smaller promoters that might be lesser known. Trying to do this pay to play thing is just not cool, and I don't think it. I don't. That's why we set up communion really um, mm. to to sort of try and break that model. Like that is not a model that should exist. Like it's the promoter's um, job to make sure that people are in the room um, and we pay the artist. It doesn't, it shouldn't be the artist paying us. It's so weird to think about oh, that. Mad. So, um, but it's hard. Like fees are crap. Like yeah. when you're starting out, fees are really, really small. Um you know, like you're talking 50 quid for a support. Um, even when you're going on like bigger support shows at bigger venues, you're talking maybe like 100 quid. And mm-hmm. pe- people have their, um, as you said, like three session artists and their tour manager and they're staying in a hotel. And it's it's impossible. Like 
this is why a lot of artists only get to a certain level and they're like, we can't do this, we can't afford to do this. Uh, and also why there are probably a huge amount of talented people out there who haven't made the step to, to, to go and do any sort of touring or, or become an artist because they're like, I can't afford to do this. So expensive. Um, and without the backing of like a label, if you haven't done a big deal, or let's say you haven't got any music online and you've got some streaming revenue, it's incredibly hard to um, stay afloat. Um, and I think um, that is just how it, that is how it is, sadly. Like there's there are things that you can do, like obviously trying to trying to get your friends to play in bands and get people to drive you around. Like when I started doing tour managing for, for bands like Mumford and Sons and Bears Den and stuff like that, you know, I was sort of driving them around for like 40 quid a day instead of like a, instead of basically pay for like petrol and then, you know, you're paying for your own hotel room, that sort of thing. But that's like, yeah. that's like, you know, friends when you're younger and you're sort of figuring stuff out. Um, I do think um, I do think people have this warped vision sometimes of like going to do a festival and they're going to play in front of like 1500 people and usually it's like seven people and they're like talking at the back of the show and you've just spent like 250 300 quid on this show and yeah. you're like you're like what is the point um, and sometimes you can get more value out of building something yourself rather than going to somewhere like I don't know you know Latitude or whatever and, and no one being there or I know you went to Isle of Wight and you had a show there last weekend and it's like sometimes um, like there's pros and cons like being on the festival bill being able to say I played Isle of Wight brings a lot of like it, it, it means something but then when and it looks good and it, look, and it looks good so so you sort of like I should do this but actually like what's the value that you're getting out of it and that is why having an agent on board is such a key thing because they will be able to make that call for you or they would also be able to like bump you up and be like I don't think she should be paying at like 2pm in this tent because she's playing against like Sam Fender and she's playing against Lucy Rose who are like what her fan base is actually she should be playing a, a little bit earlier and there's not many other people competing or she should be playing a bit later in a different tent and there'll be more people there before someone like really hot like Maisie Peters or something like that. So... Um, she's my favourite. She's your, yeah, I love her, yeah, she's the best. Um, so in terms of like how artists can stay afloat, you know, lots of artists will do, um, will take like, won't do a deal and will um, just do everything independently so they don't have to split any revenues with label or publisher through like mm -hmm. streaming and through brand deals and stuff like that. Um, but then lots of people will struggle to do that. So, and they haven't put any music out online, so they'll have to try and do a publishing deal early or do a record deal and then use some of that money to try and float the live career. It's really, really hard. And actually like artists aren't really making that much money until, you know, until you get to sort of Shepherd's Bush level, you know, where artists might be walking away with, depending on how much the ticket price is, they might get paid like up between 10 and 20,000 pounds per show, which is in, when you think about it, is, is a lot of money. But for, for an act that has five people in the band, they've got five touring crew, they've got hotels that night, you've, they've got to pay for their food and drink, uh, they've got to pay for their bus, their manager will take a cut, their agent will take a cut, and then suddenly the money split four ways. You're like, and that might be their biggest show of the year. 
you yeah. actually like, hmm, let's just figure it out. It's, can we do this? So um, it's, really, it's really hard. There's basically like this tipping point, like I think when you get to sort of Brixton Academy level where you're like, right, we can make this as a, as a, as a successful touring band and make some decent money. Um, I think anything before that, being really honest, is really, really difficult. Um, it's not impossible. And we know artists that are touring at around sort of 500 to 800 capacity level across the UK and have a really great sort of career. But mm-hmm. the money, they're, they're not just making their money from live music, they're making their money from streaming and from records and stuff like that. So um, mainly from streaming, I would have thought. Um, so it is it is really, really difficult. Um, I don't think there is a straightforward answer as to like how you can stay afloat. Because lots of people do different things. Like lots of the artists that we know still have day jobs, you know. Um, it's not like they're just sitting at home just waiting to go out on tour. Um, it's re- it's really really difficult. It's really difficult. Yeah. I guess people can sell merch and stuff, and and I guess just keeping your costs down, like down, because people can go a bit crazy and and buy loads of merch, and then not be able to sell anything. I, I suppose, yeah, just don't get. <laughs> Don't get your band to want to like eat out in restaurants every night and things like that. Yeah, you <laughs> just got to be. Yeah, you just sort of have to be really uh, like careful who goes out on the road with you. And yeah, you can get like creative in terms of merch. Like we just did a show with Luz, who was supporting Freya Ridings, and she has chocolate on her rider. Uh, no, cho- chocolate on her merch desk, which her parents make. I was like, that's great. You're probably yeah. getting, you're probably getting it for free. You get free chocolate, and you're probably selling it like four pound a bar. And I always want a bit of chocolate watching a gig. I always just want chocolate. Please stop. Yeah, all the time. All the time. Um, Okay. Are there any uh, new artists on your books or or not um, that you're really excited about? Yes, loads. Everyone. But there are a couple um, who actually played our communion club night last week. Um, There was this American artist called Dora Jar. Um, She is... um, pretty out there um she did an acoustic show uh and she played this new song called scab which is like just it's going round and round in my head and i've only heard it once but she's she's got a band show in a couple of weeks at the waiting room and it's it's sort of like it's sort of indie vibes but um she has got the most beautiful voice. Um, I'm very excited about her. And then there's a guy called Wonder Horse um, who also played that night. And that is just like the best grunge music. It's Pearl Jam meets Radiohead. Um, and it is epic. Like cool. it's so well done. And it's not like, it's not new. And it's not um, like, it's not, it's not revolutionary or anything, but it is just so good um so those are two artists that we've just started working with one of them on the record side as well as on the live side that i'm very very excited about there's loads of like new stuff that we're doing which is really really exciting but those two just because i saw them last week um sort of stand out in my memory nice i'll have to check them out um okay last question of the podcast um so as the title of the podcast is music industry secrets spilled can you please spill a secret with us? Something that, that people might not know about uh, the live industry. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I was like, oh, what, what can I spill? <laughs> what, what should I spill? I think 
I think one of the things to spill is like artist riders can still be quite fun and weird. Um, like so people are always like, oh, do people just ask for like blue M&Ms and stuff like that? But we've, yeah. we've had a couple of fun ones. Um, a band called Picture This that we work with, an Irish band, like always liked a framed photo of Noel Edmonds on their rider. So I'd go into their dressing room and they'd just be framed photos of Noel Edmonds. I'd be like, okay, this is weird. Um, and then Jack Garrett likes puppies on his rider. So... Um, actual puppies. Actual puppies, yeah. So we've managed to get uh, a couple of puppies into his show before. Um, and then... <laughs> and then um, we did a show with Sam Smith. And obviously, Sam, it's, it's Sam Smith. So, you know, he, he's got exquisite, t- exquisite taste. But one of, one of his requests was a £250 scented candle. I didn't know they could get that expensive. Uh, but, you know, you need, you need to, that dressing room to smell as, as, as lordy as possible, I guess. So. But doesn't all that right? Sorry, one thing about riders I've never understood. Doesn't that money come out of their... Yeah. <laughs> Do they know, does Sam Smith know that? Yeah, I, I don't think Sam Smith cares about the two hundred fifty pound candle, but um, there is a you know, there's a line in the P and L. So I will send the art, the the, the, the agent and management uh, a P and L. Be like, this is all the costs, and if we save on these costs, the artist will make more. But yeah. I've costed like five hundred quid in for like your rider, and so if the rider comes in at four hundred ninety pounds, they've still save money. But there might be a two hundred fifty pound candle in there. Ridiculous. You know? I literally ask for a cup of tea and most of the, I mean, I'm obviously at a very low level compared to Sam Smith, but half the time there's no kettle. So I don't even get that. <laughs> well, look, give it, give it a couple of years and when you've got like your mezza platter and, you know, you've got like your 15 variations of hummus and baba ganoush <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'd be like, hey, you know, do you remember you just had your cup of tea? No, no. I'm not changing. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. This no. has been really fun. This has been my first podcast that I've recorded, by the way, How so I was it? a little bit nervous. Great, you smashed it. I thought you'd been doing this, like, all along. Oh, I really loved that chat with Maz. I feel like I really learned quite a lot, uh, and I hope that you did too. I also have to say, his secrets filled has to be one of my favourites from this series. Uh, This is the kind of juicy stuff that we're all here for, really, isn't it? Uh, If you want to check out Communion and maybe go to one of their club nights, follow them on social media at Communion Music or go to their website, communionmusic.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do give the podcast a follow on whichever platform you're listening on. You can also follow us on social media at Music Secrets Pod. If you're also interested about what's going on with me as an artist, I have a brand new single out called A Matter of Time, which I'm really excited about. So please do check that out. I also have two headline shows coming up just around the corner now on Thursday, the 28th of October at the Slaughtered Lamb in London and Friday, the 29th at the Brunswick in Brighton and Hove. It's my first show there. Um, So please do go to my website, lucymaywalkerofficial.com for tickets to that. Um, And yeah, that's it from me. Tune in next Monday for another brand new episode. But until then, love you. Bye. (laughs) 